Good morning. The scripture reading this morning is not the one that's printed in your uh, worship folder, but it will be on the screen behind me, and you can also use the Bible in the pew or the one you bought, brought from home. It is from chapter 13 of Matthew, beginning in verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barns. And then uh, beginning in verse 36. Then he left the crowds, And went into the house, and his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. This is God's word. Ruben and I'm uh, one of the pastors here. Uh, I'm sorry for the confusion about the scripture passage. Uh, pe- people don't always know doing preparing a sermon is a lot like uh, painting a picture or writing a book. Uh, there's a certain art to it, and art requires you know a certain inspiration or whatever you want to call it. And sometimes God moves, and sometimes He doesn't. And it would be disingenuous to try to to stand before you um, headed towards the passage we were supposed to be headed towards. Uh, when, in, when in reality, it, it, I did not experience a sense of God moving upon me towards that passage this week. So we're going to do something different, okay? That's very uncomfortable for me. And I realize, see, the whole, the whole, um, the whole service is geared toward uh, what we were going to be looking at in 2 Corinthians 3. We'll get there next week. So uh, we just, I just, I'm trusting God, I'm, you're trusting God, we're trusting the Spirit to come and move. But I wanted to look at this passage that we read in Community Bible Reading this past week from Matthew chapter 13, which, which includes a, five or six parables of the kingdom that Jesus preached uh, to explain what God was doing through the movement that he had come to the earth to start and to sustain until he comes again, okay? So we read this in Community Bible Reading last week, I thought it would be appropriate. It is for me for a couple of reasons. While I was gone this past week, uh, two things happened that really, really disturbed me. I mean, really, these kinds of things typically don't get underneath my skin. 
but these two did. And the first is, uh, I was at the first uh, Passion Conference in 1998, I think, and have followed the Passion Movement over the course of the last 15 years or so. And those of you who are familiar, you know, the guy who's the leader of that movement, Louis Giglio, was invited by our president to give the benediction at his inaugural uh, whenever it happens. And then a liberal watchdog group unearthed a sermon he preached 18 years ago in which he referenced homosexuality as a sin, and he was disinvited. Um, and, or he was going to be disinvited. He preempted that, that by, by disinviting himself. And, uh, and there was just a lot of stuff that went around the blogosphere about that reality. Um, and I, I have to be honest, I'm not, I'm not a Republican homer. Uh, I, I really try to be apolitical as possible, but that, that sort of thing and that sort of tra- trajectory scares me to death for our nation. And listen, I have, four, I, mean, I have four and a half sermons, four and a half years of sermons on the Internet. I mean, I can just imagine somebody rifling through the things I've said too and what the implications of that's going to be. Um, but we are, we, are, we are moving into an age, and I don't like to be naysayer, you know, biblical prophecy guy or whatever. But I think, I think the signs are undeniable that we are moving into an age where the culture around us is becoming increasingly hostile to the gospel of Jesus. Um, the second thing that happened on, on my mini vacation that I read, I read an article by Randy Alcorn about the fiscal cliff, and I guess, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of been following along with this news, but I just didn't really realize how desperate the situation is. And I really, I think he brought me to the conclusion that there is no escaping the fact that at some point, it may not be in February, it may not be in two years, it may be in 10 years, it may be in 15, I don't know how far out, but at some point, there's going to be a reckoning with the way we are currently going. It is going to be hard on the other side of that. There's just no, there's no escaping it. There's no magical politics that we can do that are going to fix that. And so I've just been thinking a lot about the fact that, that we, are, we are really up against it. And we are parenting children and bringing them into a world that is much more hostile and is much, and is much more ripe for hardship and suffering uh, that they're going to have to endure through than any of us in my generation or the generations before me. And so I've really been, I've really been burdened by these things. I really have. And... So I thought it would be good for us to talk from this passage a little bit about what is it then. See, see, Jesus helps us here in Matthew 13. He helps us understand how to live in light of the coming kingdom towards the day when he's going to come again to make all things new. But there's a gap, there's a time between his first and second coming where we have to figure out what it means for us to live faithfully. As people who who have an allegiance to a king who is not of this world and yet are called to be faithful citizens in the society that he has put us in. So how do we do this? And this passage really does help. It really does in lots of ways. And so if you would permit me, I'd like to come to Matthew chapter 13. And I'd like to look at this parable from the middle of Matthew's gospel here this morning and just talk about these things. I want you to see first that the parable talks to us about the inauguration of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven has come. Jesus clearly teaches us this in this parable. He also teaches us that not only has the kingdom come, but it also is coming. There's an inauguration, but there's also a consummation that is yet to happen. And therefore, in between the kingdom having come and the kingdom still coming, how do we live faithfully as Jesus' disciples 
in the interim period. Okay? So those three things. The kingdom has come, it is coming, and how do you live faithfully in between the beginning and the end? Okay, so let's just start with that first little bit. Um, This parable clearly teaches that in Jesus, the kingdom of heaven has come. Jesus is being touted as the Messiah, as the long-awaited king who would rescue God's people from their enemies. He is doing all these miracles and preaching sermons, saying the kingdom of God is at hand, and the crowds are watching and listening, and they would have understood. They would have, they would have immediately connected the dots. There would have been a lot of excitement swirling around him. And the people were probably expecting something like an immediate political military overthrow of the Romans. And Jesus has to tell this parable and the others in Matthew 13 to correct, and in some cases to contradict their misunderstandings, that the kingdom that he was bringing... See, this is a parable of the kingdom... The kingdom that he was bringing was more radical and more comprehensive than the thing they could possibly imagine it to be. That it would not come immediately, it would come slowly, gradually, silently, and with great opposition. So what we have then so what is the kingdom of God then? What does Jesus mean? If this is a parable of the kingdom, and I'm talking about it having come and yet to come this morning, then what is it? See Jesus is trying to get the people of his day to see that the kingdom of heaven was not just coming to overthrow Rome. He's, he's wanting them to stop thinking so one-dimensionally as politics. See, our problems go much deeper than the political or the social or even the emotional and psycholo- 